0: Happy Wednesday. We are now entering a dangerous part of First Corinthians. Oh, let's be honest. It's all been dangerous. It's all been difficult. Let's review because some people will only come to this because they know a couple of verses in First Corinthians 14. They've been used as kill verses or um, baseball bat verses for a very long time. And so they're not going to get all of the spool up that you've had if you've been watching every week. And uh, so if you're just coming in for chapter 14, be aware there's a whole lot you missed and you won't understand an awful lot of the context for what's going on starting in chapter 14 um, because it really started in chapter 1 and even started earlier because, once again, what we call first and second Corinthians is most likely second and fourth corinthians because paul has had a letter from these folk before he's dealt with them before this letter is in response to their response and so they make a number of assertions uh, some accusations although most of the accusations they come up later in second corinthians so paul will state what they say uh, and then he will come at them and say this is how it's supposed to be And don't do this, do this. And not in a formulaic way. Uh, He never describes a worship service, for example. But more just saturated with love. You've got to quit acting like that Jesus didn't happen. He did. So now learn to love one another. As I've said so many times, it's a train wreck running into a dumpster that's already on fire. That's Corinth. The context is what people miss when they try to go for killer verses here or when they try to set up doctrine for all churches in all countries at all times forever. That's not what Paul's dealing with. He's dealing with Corinth, and that's horrible, all right? But he still calls them brothers and sisters, so that that means you and I are probably good. Chapter 14. Remember, he's, he's been talking about love and there were no chapter or verse breaks when this is written. So this is all just the, the love chapter is thrown in here, not just thrown in the middle. It's it's woven into the fabric of what Paul's trying to talk to them about. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. Um, does he mean they're telling the future? No. Remember last week? Uh no, it, it means to publicly speak the things of God, to tell the story of God in public, to talk about righteousness in public. Prophets uh, spend about 20 to 25 percent of their time talking about the future. I don't believe that that's what Paul's talking about here. I think he's saying the most important thing whenever you're getting together, if you're going to pull out a gift, is somebody to talk to you about what God wants for us and what god has done for us that is your public proclaimer that is your prophet but then he talks about there's this thing um there's this gift that people have been given and it is a very controversial subject today uh, and has been somewhat over the last uh, nearly 140 years it really didn't enter into things early on. Uh, we don't find arguing about speaking in tongues or even sta- I mean, by saying that tongue speaking was happening. Even in the early centuries of the church, we just don't see that. So, what's going on here? Well, what's going on here is the same thing that was going on in Acts chapter 2 when the ignorant and unlearned men, uh, which is what the apostles were called, were speaking to everybody in the language in which they were born. And they knew the people listening, these people couldn't have gone to school and studied this. Besides, he got them all from Nazareth and around that area. They were known for having an accent that they people just assumed the people of Nazareth, they could never learn another language. And yet they knew, and they were able to go places where the language is very different and speak to people and the people could understand what they were saying, because they had a gift. They were given this miraculous ability to speak the tongues of men and therefore have the tongues of angels, because then they could speak the things of God. However, there were people who had received these gifts that, instead of using them as God intended for evangelistic purposes, would go on at length in that language that nobody else could understand. You know, they're speaking it, in using today's languages. You, we could say this one's speaking Urdu, while this one over here is speaking Gallic. Which over here, this one's speaking Russian. This one over here is speaking Spanish. And it, it became just a contest in worship as to how long you could show off your ability and drown out the other. I know it sounds absurd, but it only sounds that way because it was totally 100% absurd. But that's what people are. So he said, you speak in a tongue, you're, you're not speaking to people, but to God. In other words, only God understands what you're saying here. And he goes further. No one, indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. It's very important again notice what the prophesying is it's not foretelling the future it is speaking to people about what they're strengthening they're encouraging their comfort and even then says anybody who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves in other words you're the only person hearing this but those who are speaking the things of God edifies the church you're building up that's what the word edify means you're building them up so by the way if you're preaching tears people down and if you're preaching marks other people if you're preaching incites hatred or the um a lack of love toward any particular group or individual it is not of god our preaching is to build people up you might say but what if they're sinning what if they're sinning well you're sinning too what do you want god to do with you i think it's fine to sit down and as i've said very recently on these broadcasts to sit down and say listen um I'm not sure this is God's plan A for your life, but I'm just a person and I'm not God. Can we talk about this in a spirit of humility? And if I'm wrong, I will readily acknowledge such. I think that that's totally fine. But standing up in a pulpit and screaming and yelling about people, most of whom aren't there, that's not helpful. Because I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Wouldn't that be great? But I'd rather you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. I cannot help but think that that last line was put in as a little slap humor. Um, The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. (laughs) Wait a minute. Let's say that Patrick was given the miraculous ability to speak Mandarin. I'd like that, by the way. Uh, I don't have it. But if I did, and I just insist on speaking in Mandarin in the church, then the only way anybody's going to be edified is if I have an interpreter right beside me. Well, that doesn't make sense because Patrick speaks English. Why don't I just speak English? See, see what Paul's doing there? He's saying, unless someone interprets, you're, you're just talking to yourself. But why would you do that? Well, they do it because it was a status thing. Think of somebody who's had a year of Spanish in high school or in university. Have you ever gone out to a Mexican restaurant with one of these people? They are so, so annoying. You know, they, they can't say hello to the server. They have to say hola. And they have to say, you know... Um, that they may may gusta this and it's just you know you know you know some words a lot of people do this with religion as well they don't say god they'll say yahweh and they believe that they are superior to the people that say god and they'll say yeshua rather than saying jesus people god doesn't care Whatever name we use in our languages, he understands what we're saying. And knowing a few words in a um, a different tongue is not going to change the equation. It is 100 degrees outside. And let me tell you something, the pollen and bugs are wide awake. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm sorry if that banging annoyed you. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you, and speak in tongues. What good will I be to you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Um, Good point. I can remember the first time uh, I was asked to come to a concert, and it was it was slam. It was things of, you know. It was all about banging things. I was why nothing melodic. Actually, it turned out to be a, an amazing thing. Uh, I got to admit, an amazing thing. But he uh, think of um, I think it was John Sebastian who wrote uh, "I Dig Rock and Roll Music" back in the '60s, and he had been. Um, uh, challenge that you could only you, you you couldn't use a rock song that had less than three chords and he basically wrote the whole song in d7 but he did cheat a bit on the, on the chorus and the bridge so it is hard you know like got one note samba to only have no distinction there and so if you're talking to me for example <clears throat> in Mandarin a language I would dearly love to speak Uh, I'm not gonna understand what you're seeing. It's not gonna help me. And you might be saying, well, I'm gonna do four sentences on the love of God, and then I'm gonna do four sentences on the life cycle of a frog. And I won't know the difference because it all sounds the same to me. Yeah, there are times I'll hear other people speaking languages and I'll think, those are actual words. Those are words somebody is saying, and I'm not getting any of it. Now, again, it's not on them. It's on me for not knowing the language. But here he's saying, "It. what's the point of this? Uh, we sang the blessing recently at our Safe Harbor Church. If you don't know what that song is, it, it became a phenomena during the last months of last year, where, uh, for example, Japanese people would sing the blessing." and you can go to good uh youtube and and look up uh S- scottish people singing the blessing and it was absolutely amazing but we made a change when we did it at um our safe harbor we left off some of the end cuz it goes for a long while <clears throat> we got the point across but also the first long section in that is in gallic uh the language of the scottish highlands and islands and and i know the language um, so they ask, would you do that in the first part of the song? And I thought about it long and hard, and I told Misha, finally, I will do the spoken part in Gaelic. There's a spoken entrance to it, and it's a beautiful little thing, uh, but I'm gonna stop there and we'll sing it entirely in English. And the spoken part probably took 20 seconds, 30 seconds maybe, the reason i didn't want to go further is what's the point i could be blessing them i could also be telling them what's for lunch they won't know so a little taste of it fine but then let's move on to what builds up everybody um so and he goes further and again if a trumpet does not sound a clear call who will get ready for battle um trumpets used in battle, the different notes, the different sequences, the different well don't, don't want to call them tunes. They're more phrases. Uh that alerted people as to, you know, enfilade left, you know, sweep right, move forward. They knew what all those horns meant. Same with bagpipes back in the day. And, and different cadences and drums could do that as well. And he's saying, but nobody's getting a message. What are you doing this for? so it is with you unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue how will anyone know what you're saying you will just be speaking into the air again it's an unloving act it's all about you love is not self-serving you are not loving when you're doing this undoubtedly <clears throat> there are all sorts of languages in the world yet none of them is without meaning and by the way i just that just fascinates me it does there are there are nations in Africa that are smaller than the state of Tennessee that have over a hundred different languages. And I said, wow. And and he's saying all of these languages though have meaning. Then if I don't grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you're eager for the gifts of the spirit, Try to excel in those that build up the church. So let's say that you're very gifted in Spanish. Yes, we need you. Or you're gifted in Mandarin or you're gifted in Russian. People that speak those languages need to hear the stories of Jesus and need to see a person clothed with Jesus who loves them. Go there. You don't have to go to the physical country. People have moved all over the world. You can also go via video. Find a way to use that language skill to build up the church, not to build up you. And that's what this is talking about. He says, for this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they pray. Um, In other words, you speak in a tongue, yeah, but when you pray, pray so that the people around you understand what you're saying. Now, we're going to yeah, you know, um well here's one. <clears throat> Last week at our safe harbor, the kids let us in God is so good. Well, we have a wonderful guitarist who is with us sometimes, not always able to be there, but just a delightful man from Brazil. And so Mesha asked him to sing a verse in Portuguese. Was that okay? Yeah. Why? Because everybody knows the tune for God is so good. It is a very, very simplistic tune and phrasing. So we knew exactly when he was at each part, what he was saying, even though we don't speak Portuguese. Why? Because it works. It's a simple tune. You go much beyond that though and become self-seeking, self-serving. And so if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. In other words, it's benefiting me, but... What I'm doing is not benefiting anybody outside me. And then he goes, I will, so what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. <clears throat> I've listened to choral groups from Christian universities and such, and sometimes they'll sing an obscure Latin hymn. <clears throat> Those who love, the notes in a song are very touched. The rest of us just get to sit back and go, wow, it's impressive. They can speak in Latin. And yes, we might be ignorant peasants, but why don't you edify us? So again, I'm not saying don't do that. <clears throat> there are people who are touched and warmed by that, but don't let that be the way you worship around people who don't speak that language. You have to be very careful that what we're doing is all about Jesus, not all about us. Because otherwise, <clears throat> you, you need the understanding. Otherwise, when you're praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who's now put in the position of an inquirer, in other words, I have now lost what you, what, what say amen to your thanksgiving, since they don't know what you're saying. You're giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. Preachers, let me talk to you a little bit about this. Sometimes we can get so impressed with our knowledge in the book we just read and about some uh, theological teaching that we can be standing up there and when we preach, everybody in the room knows we're really smart. But they don't know what you're talking about. Make sure you don't speak theology, key ease, <clears throat> or whatever you want to call it. Instead, speak in the language of the people there. I even, when I go places, I'll ask, what What do most people wear when they come to that church on a Sunday or Wednesday, whenever it is? And and I will try to be very much in that same vein in my clothes. At 64, I'm not going to wear young clothes. And um, I'm not going to wear shorts because I didn't grow up with them and I only wear them when I'm golfing and sometimes mowing the lawn. I wear a kilt though, so what a hypocrite. Just a complete hypocrite, right? <clears throat> anyway, be very, very careful that when you speak, people understand what you're seeing. All right. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Not really sure what he talks about the means there, except that he did know a lot of languages. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 in a tongue. I and mean, this is fairly conclusive, is it not? Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants. In other words, don't be kids, but when it comes to evil, be infants. Uh, some versions would say be ignorant as a child. What it means is don't get so smart in the world, and about evil, that you outwit yourself. But in your thinking ads, be adults. In the law it is written, with other tongues through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. What's he talking about? If I, again, let's go Patrick speaks Mandarin and if uh, i go to one of the chinese communities which is around us or chinese grocery store or the like and i walk in and i start talking to them in mandarin they're going to pay attention because here's this white american guy speaking their language and, and by which showing them respect the conversation starts how did you learn mandarin it was given to me as a gift by the holy spirit What? What is the Holy Spirit? How could this happen? And you unfold unto them the mysteries of God and show them love the entire time you're doing it. Friendship, kindness, all that stuff love is. Patience. Wow, what an effect that would have. And it did. What an effect it had in the first century of the church. We don't have record of it after that. But the first, well, until more modern times. Um, there were little groups that would say every so often speak in ecstatic utterances and um, they would say tongues of angels that like they never became much more however than a small group even influential but small group so the whole church has never really been a part of this since the first century uh, prophecy however is not for unbelievers but for believers so I'm not going to go put up a box in the middle of Nashville maybe the roundabout there at the Korean War uh, Veterans Boulevard and I stand on the box and start yelling the things of God that people driving by no my gift of speaking the things of God is given to me to speak to the people of God it is their love as they take what God has done and they hear the edifying words of the preacher the prophet the minister And take that out into the world and love people until people ask you why, and then you tell them about Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be doing. It goes further. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues, and inquirers, in other words, the questioners, the seekers, we would call them today, or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? Spoiler alert. That's exactly what they will say. He goes, but if a a believer or an inquirer comes in while everybody is prophesying, everybody is speaking to the people of God about the things of God. And we're excited. You know, I'm talking to to Misha about what God is doing. And Misha's talking to Cammie about what God is doing. And Cammie's all excited. And so she talks to Evu about uh, what God is doing. And Evu tells us what God is doing in his family. And you walk into an assembly like that, and you hear all the stories, you're captivated. You want to hear more. And you can be brought into the story like that. That tongues won't do that. So he talks about if they come in while everyone's prophesying, they're convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all. That sounds harsh, but yeah, it's as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. They um they open themselves up to the judgment. We all know that in Christianity, we're not to be judging. But as the secrets of their heart are laid, why would they say that? Why would they tell you their secrets? Because they see your story and they trust you. They trust you. as something very precious. Your story. So, he goes, if there's no interpreter, a speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. Boom. He'll go a little further here. Um, two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And and again, why? Because Patrick can be wrong. Patrick can say something uh, that is that is wrong, and therefore the community has has the right and the obligation to come in a very loving way and say, let's let's look at that again. All right if a revelation there, there we go verse 30 if if a, a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down the first speaker should stop for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged the spirits of prophets are subject to the control of the prophets in other words god's not going to get you and make it where I, I just have to speak now i have to interrupt now i have to do all this now because god is just no you have the power to say All right, God's given me something to say. Let me find the right time to say it. All right. Um, You can prophesy in turn. You can take your turn, but don't make it all about you. Preachers, I got to talk to you again. I get invited from time to time to speak at conferences that are led by preachers. These are very often called lectureships or special events that are done at universities mainly. I have found over the years, that ministers asked to speak routinely go well over their allotted time and there are there there, there have been more than a handful of times that before i got up i was already past the time i was supposed to stop because the others wouldn't honor the time slot and a couple times i've told the people you don't need to have me speak. You need to get these people back on track so that they can eat when they're hungry so that they can go and make calls that they promised at certain times. And most of the times they say, please, please, please. And we'll either try to rearrange it a different time. There have been a couple of times I've stood up and spoken for about 10 minutes of an allotted 45 minute or hour slot and then told people, you know, I've just condensed it the best I could. And then told people I need to get you back closer to the track of your time. Go with God what I have to say is not so important that God won't find another way to get it to you. And trust God. Um, I don't do that to shame the others. I do it to love the assembly. Be very, very careful. Don't ever let it be about you. That's the thing. For God is not a God of disorder as in all of the congregations of the Lord's people. And here's where you're taking a breath waiting for me to hit uh, verse 34. But we don't do 34 in isolation. And we don't do it justice by rushing it at the end of a class. So that's why this is chapter 14, part one. We will not deal deeply with the subject of women in ministry, but we will deal with it. And I know that I am more progressive on this point than some of you that listen. And you've been really waiting for that. And so just be aware, this is not the in-depth reply to your question. Next week will be merely a, a start.